question is this. How do we get two groups of people to come together? Those that are completely disengaged with what I call their personal physical health status and those people who are in love with their physical health status and doing something about it. How do we bring them together so that everybody fits into the second category of falling in love with their physical health, lowering their risk of disease and feeling amazing? We're going to find out in today's episode of the new science of physical health. Everybody, welcome back to this episode of the new science of physical health and this mini-series called Decipher the Health Code in the age of Netflix, Uber, Google and screens which as I've said, is just representative of the health, not the health technology, of technology in the world that we live in. We'll get to health technology in just a moment, actually. That's why I made mention of that. So it's representative. It's not those companies particular that are representative of the ones that can be contributing to the detriment of our physical health outcomes, but they're representative because they're big names and they're very, very well known. So let's just pick up where this episode is going to start after we left from the previous episode and when you listen to it. So as you see in TV series, previously on Decipher the Health Code, this is what we were up to. I was introducing you to three collaborators that are helping us to decipher the health code. The first collaborator is one of the physical education leaders literally from middle America, who you met, Megan McCallum, and her role as the executive director of SHAPE Minnesota. Now remember, SHAPE is the Society for Health and Physical Education, the, na the, the national body in America. I've actually been to one of their conferences in Nashville in 2018. Blew my mind. Over 5,500 physical education and health teachers in one location. That was just absolutely incredible. And that's only a fraction of the entire country. And Megan, who we've met as the first one of our collaborators, three different people who are collaborating together that actually have never met. And it's strange. And as we've talked about in the previous episode, it's their combined work that when you put that together, which is what we're doing here in Decipher the Health Code, when you put that together... It helps us to understand how to become physically healthy in this world that we live in between the, eight, the, between the years of 2020 and 2070. Because we're going to go one of two different ways. And right now, whilst we, as I record this, we live through a virus pandemic, there is a physical health outcomes of things like cardiovascular events still being the number one cause of sickness and death worldwide, by far. Now, it doesn't downplay other things. That's just saying, of all the things from sickness, disease, and premature death that you're likely to be exposed to, cardiovascular events are it. And we can, we can decipher the health code and work our way out. So this is what we're going to do in today's episode. This, we introduced you to a little bit in the previous one, of Dr. Andrew Rickman. Now, you're going to hear from him in person. I'm gonna transition now to the rest of episode one in the mini-series that I created called the Thomas Edison of Health Technology in the 2020s, because that's my label, not his. Remember, Dr. Rickman, for those of you who have not 
picked up from the previous episode, is the chairman, CEO, and founder of a company called Rockley Photonics. And they have built, and he is a PhD in silicon photonics. It's a technology I'd never, it's a discipline I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of that technology until just before interviewing him. And I read about it, and it completely revolutionized my thinking about health technology. And here's the link. People like Megan, and literally, figuratively, in middle America, in Minnesota, and all the people that surround her around the country of the United States, and people like here in Australia, and the six to five different states that we have, and the territories, and um, also people in New Zealand, and people in South Africa, and people in Canada, people across the United Kingdom, the British Isles, up to Wales and Scotland and Ireland, right through London and down through the south, and you know places where my wife's parents were born, and where they went. Listen to this: in World War Two. My wife's parents, mother, was evacuated from London out into the countryside so that they could avoid being bombed in World War II. And her mother is still with us today at 89. A fascinating stories about history that we didn't live through, but she did live through. So I think for a number of years, while World War II was on, she'd been evacuated from London. So we have these collaborators from around the world in physical education and, and uh, health teachers like myself and like you who may be listening to this and other people who may be wanting to become physically healthy, those people, once they learn what is about to come out of Dr. Rickman's company, Rockley Photonics, who are working with the behemoth Apple from California, Apple Inc., Apple Computers, Apple Watches, in the next year or two, you're going to have a clinic on your wrist. Now, rather than me go into what that means, why don't you come and meet Dr. Rickman? And when people like Megan understand what Dr. Rickman is doing, and when then we understand our third collaborator, collaborator who you'll meet in the next couple of episodes, a world-renowned PhD of exercise physiology and also has a PhD in cardiology and has invented a way to convert physical activity into a health impact score. More about that later. But we're meeting our second collaborator. Rather than me talk about what, what does it mean, a clinic on your wrist? Obviously, it has something to do with smartwatches, and it will make what you have right now look like, the, <laughs> look like a, a, a calculator compared to a supercomputer. What is coming? that will help change your physical health outcomes and let you know where your molecular and physiological health is at on a daily basis is going to astound you. It really will be a clinic on your wrist. But you can't have the clinic, this is my contention, this is my supposition, you can't have the clinic on the wrist without the educators. And you can't have both of those without the scientists leading the clinical validation of how to convert physical activity into a health impact score that has a linear correlation with a decreased risk of things like a cardiovascular event and other conditions. So hit the transition bell now, transitioning you across to Dr. Andrew Rickman and the continuation of episode number one in the mini-series that I've already created and the second of our collaborators on Decipher the Health Code in the age of Netflix, Uber, Google, and screens.
But again, back to the driving question of this mini-series. Who is going to get us out of the mess we are in with our physical health? Many of you live by the mantra, and I've heard this in many of the social media groups that I belong to, my professional groups. Here's the mantra. You must be self-reliant and chart your own destiny. Your answer to that question would likely be the question about who's going to get us out of the mess we're in with our physical health. If you have that mantra, your answer to that question will likely be, hey, you're responsible for yourself. Stop blaming others. People at the opposite end of the scale will want someone else to solve the problem for them. Usually someone in some type of government organization or organizations. I think the answer is far more nuanced than either of these two extremes. I'm currently working on a brand new mini-series called Influenceology. That's a hard word to say, and it's even harder to understand, perhaps. But here it is. Influenceology, the inside truth about how our physical health is being manipulated. In this series, I'm going to investigate how companies create architecture with their products to purposely deceive the way that we think and behave with our physical health status. I'll show you just how good a job they're doing. In my opinion, there's literally only one way to combat it if you want to have lifelong physical health. I think very few individuals have the frameworks and structure in their life to get out of the mess that we're in as a society with our low physical health status and the diseases that come off of that. Of course, the real point of this is those diseases cause significant pain and lifelong emotional harm to millions and millions of people who either are the people that have them and they are permanently sick and they are just taking medicine or surgery to get better or they're people like me who are left behind, say, when a parent dies at a very young age from a preventable condition. So Thomas Edison, almost 150 years ago, changed the world forever, but he couldn't get out of the mess he had with his personal physical health status. That's a term that I invented, personal physical health status. He had type 2 diabetes. He's a brilliant man with a background in science and solving problems, contributing to the human condition in ways which would improve it. And if a person like him couldn't get out of the mess, what chance do the rest of us have as a society and a group of millions and multi-millions and tens of millions across countries, the countries that I've interacted with and the people that listen to my online radio show? There's 57 countries right now and over 600 cities. But what chance do people who are the average person, who are not like him, who would consider themselves just to be average, what chance do they have of getting out of the mess? In this mini-series, I'm going to show you how to get out of the mess that most adults get into, either a little bit or deeply. It's a new framework I invented called the disease funnel. Now, let me give you a sidebar. Now, just a moment, I'm going to give you a sidebar before we keep going with this episode. So let me explain what a sidebar is. In the United States, a sidebar is an area in a courtroom near the judge's bench where lawyers may be called to speak with the judge so that the jury can't hear the conversation or they may speak off the record to the judge. 
So that's what a sidebar is in legal terms. Now, in my episodes in this mini-series and other ones that I have, a sidebar is where I'm going to give you right now, this sidebar is a definition of a framework and then a definition of the disease funnel. So you'll have a picture in your mind of the diagram that's in my book, Courses and Videos. So first sidebar, a framework. Let me give you an example. Something in mathematics is uh, that is a framework is called the multiplication framework. And I'll go into this in a lot more depth in one of the audio series and also in my book about just frameworks. But very simply, if I ask my son to do the five times table here in Sydney, Australia, he's 11 years old. And I ask, you might be living in, I don't know, in London, England. You might be um, from Phoenix, Arizona. You might be from Pennsylvania. You might be from New York City. You could be from Ontario, Canada. You might be living right now uh, somewhere in Spain. I had a, someone who bought my book from Spain. I was amazed about that. I'm sitting here in Australia and then someone from Spain dials in, not dials in, but logs in onto my uh, book website and just orders a book. So there might be somebody, I've got listeners to my online radio show in Moscow. I have no idea how that happened. But take all of those cities that I just mentioned. If a child in each one of those cities who might be around the same age as my son, if they all did their five times table and got it correct, every one of them would have the same answer. Because the multiplication framework in mathematics can be relied upon to explain the world around us and get the same result every time. That is the critical part of a framework. Get the same result every time, no matter who you are, or where you live in the world. And that's what does not exist today in the world of physical health outcomes, a framework which will get the same results if you use it, no matter where you are in the world. Take another framework, the elements table in chemistry. I don't know anything about that. That's outside my wheelhouse completely. We use frameworks to explain the world around us so that no matter where we are, we get the same result, and the same outcome. That's a framework. Be important. That'll be important as we go through this mini series. So the last part of the sidebar, and then back, I'll pick up where we were left off. The disease funnel framework. This is a diagram in my book that looks exactly like a funnel. At the top of the funnel are arrows going in, and this represents people transitioning from late teenage years into early adulthood, middle adulthood, and late adulthood. The vast majority of people, once they leave their teenage years, don't know that their bodies are at the top of the disease funnel and some of them, many of them, are partway in. In the diagram in my book and videos and the full course, as you go from the top of the funnel down to the bottom where it narrows, I've written about some of the world's major diseases. I've labelled it cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, blood pressure, high blood pressure, stroke, metabolic disease, high cholesterol, and there are many more. A massive amount of these are simple to prevent. Simple, by the way, doesn't equate to easy in our modern world. Well, didn't even equate to easy back in the time of Thomas Edison in the 1800s. At the bottom of the funnel, there are four outcomes. I have for this course written inside small inside the bottom of the funnel, small circles, and these are the words that I have in those four circles. Mortality, morbidity, surgery, and medication. Mortality means death, 
That's one result from the disease funnel. Morbidity means getting sick and staying permanently sick and then needing medication, the fourth circle, in order to deal with that sickness that you've developed or, in some cases, surgery. Those are the only four outcomes if you go down, 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 down into the depth part of the disease funnel. So between your late teenage years, early adulthood, middle adulthood, and late adulthood, if you don't even understand that there is a disease funnel and you're in it, those are the four outcomes, mortality, death, morbidity, permanent sickness, surgery, and medication to deal with the morbidity. Once you move out of the disease funnel or the risk of the disease funnel, you are going into the opposite framework. Of course, that's called the health funnel. More on that later. So this brings me to the special guest. That's a sidebar over, by the way. This brings me to the special guest in today's mini-series. I call him the Thomas Edison of health technologies in the 2020s. That's my title, by the way, my description, not his. After spending time with him in one interview and then some time with one of his 250 staff members from his company, and they told me that's growing pretty much every week, I think he is what the, the our guest is the exact opposite of egotistical. I'm sure you'll hear that when I introduce him to introduce you to him just in just a moment. See, I've been a fan. Let me tell you about where I created the idea for this series. I've been a fan of history ever since I was in high school. Even though sport and physical education were at, uh, was my number one subject at school and something I've given lessons now in for over 32 years face-to-face and online, history ranks as my second favorite subject to explore. I actually came first in what is called two-unit and three-unit modern history at my high school. I was a little bit surprised by that, but also very excited. I would so love, this is what I would love to do. I'd love to give you a recording from the year 1875, which was two years before Thomas Edison began his invention career. His entire career expanded from went from 1877 to 1930. And he had to stop in 1930 because of type 2 diabetes. I think it would be fascinating to explore what was Thomas Edison thinking about in 1875 before he'd had any impact on the way in which human beings would live. How much self-doubt did he have? Did he know how hard it would be? Was he always focused? What did he? Who did he model himself from? What vision did he have for the world in 1875 before he invented anything? Well, you're about to meet someone who, in my opinion, is like the Thomas Edison of today when it comes to improving our lives and helping us to get out of the mess we're in with our physical health status on a global basis. Let me share with you a scientist from the year 2021. Just like Thomas Edison, an inventor, a visionary, and someone who wants to change the world and the way that we live for the better. There's one major difference. His science is all about the life inside your body. Dr. Andrew Rickman. Dr. Andrew Rickman holds an OBE. That's an Order of the British Empire. And he is the founder, CEO, and chairman of Rockley Photonics, based in the United Kingdom, 
where he's from, and also offices in, says here, in Finland and Pasadena in California. He was Britain's, this is what I've gathered from the media, not from him, he was Britain's first internet billionaire and a survivor of something called the dot-com bubble crash back in the year 2000. If you never heard of that, if you're too young for that, look it up. Dr. Rickman holds a PhD in silicon photonics. More on what that science is all about shortly. He has that from Surrey University. He has an MBA from Cranfield University and honorary doctorates from Surrey, Edinburgh, Napier and Kensington Universities. He's a chartered engineer and a fellow of both the Royal Academy of Engineering and the Institute of Physics. As one of my friends said to me years ago, and this is long before I got involved in working with PhDs from different areas, Mind you, this is the first time I've ever met a PhD from silicon, the industry of silicon photonics or the genre of education called silicon photonics. But a friend of mine many years ago said, how does someone have a head that can contain the amount of knowledge the size of a football field? Well, Dr. Rickman's background and pedigree is really, really impressive to someone like me. Does any of this sound familiar, this background of his, this education this of the standard developed? What about Thomas Edison, who literally changed our planet? His education also was something significant like Dr. Rickman. As I've already said, I would so love to sit with Thomas Edison and ask him questions about how he thinks, what his vision for the future was, and about the impact he wanted to have on the world. I'd love to hear what his voice is like and have conversations with him back and forth and interact with this human being that exceeded normal standards of contribution to humanity. If I ever lived, if I was alive back in the 1800s and I had that vision, and the technology available to us back then, and the forms of travel between Australia and the United States where Thomas Edison lived. By the way, I've been to the United States a lot now uh, over the past decade or so. But the travel back then, it was so limited and the technology was so limited, I would never have probably pursued it. Almost certainly. Maybe I would have, but it would have been very, very hard. What is available in the 2020s when this audio episode is being um, recorded and this mini-series is being created? We are generations ahead of what was available back then. Arranging a virtual meeting between myself and Dr. Rickman in London only required a Zoom link in an email. Within less than two weeks of me making a request for an interview, I was given this, I call it, and that's, this is how I take it, a unique opportunity to sit down with a visionary who I instantly recognized was going to change the world. The historical component for me was that I was able, I'm able to interview him before that happens. And now I can share this with you. So why don't we do this? I'm going to have you listen in now to the very first part of my private conversation with Dr. Rickman. Until two weeks before I interviewed him, I'd never even heard of a science called silicon photonics. And I, you know what? I checked around with other people in the health and physical education field. One of my colleagues from Las Vegas, Nevada in the USA, who's had a 40 plus year career in health and physical education, including health technology and health education sales all over the United States of America and Canada, he had never heard of the science 
called silicon photonics. Another colleague of mine from San Jose, the very heart of what is called Silicon Valley, where I visited Google, Apple and Facebook, he'd also had never heard of the science of silicon photonics. That particular colleague is the business development manager in North America for one of the world's leading clinically validated health software companies, and they didn't know. So let's transition now to the very first part of my interview with Dr. Rickman. Now, the conversation picks up in the middle of the sentence, but you'll get the thread pretty quickly. Uh, health awareness, health awareness, and in you know bringing people's attention to new technologies in health, um, we're very excited about that. So thank you for doing all that work. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you guys have got um, significant amount of, um, I guess, airplay recently um, with what's been in the media about, um, which I'm really keen to get, you know, not ask you about what's going on at Apple because, uh, interestingly enough, back in 2014. Um, uh, well, I was working with a company out of South Korea and also they had an office, a sales office in, in Ohio in the States. And these guys got a meeting at Apple headquarters using um, PPG technology in earphones to try and measure biometrics. Yeah. And I was so excited when I when I've been around for a little while and obviously technology is not my area. I didn't know what silicon photonics was until I watched a video presentation of yours recently and yep. uh, on YouTube. And I knew about PPG, but just that this difference, and I, I'm really interested in exploring that technology side. So, um, yeah, it's a, so we got a meeting with Apple at their, you know, at their retail side. And uh, uh-huh. just before, um, like, we got the meeting, it was all looking good, they are going to purchase the tech and put it in their retail stores on a global basis. But at the same time, unbeknownst to us, they were negotiating with Beats and they bought Beats about two months later. Right, right, right. We're at, we're at that stage, we're out of the loop. And anyway, that went down. But, um, but yeah, so, like, it's, um, it's so fascinating because um, I've done all my work, and I think, Greg, you've listened to a couple of the podcasts. All my work has been with PhDs um, in the past 10 years. And... But things like cardiology, exercise physiology, a couple of open heart surgeons I've done work with, oncologists, all the areas of, look, they've got this incredible content that stays buried in medical research journals and yes. never, never makes its way out. But what I'm fascinated with is you have this PhD in silicon photonics. Can you, yeah. like, can you give me a bit of a brief about what that is and uh, you know, your doctorate is, is about and, and what, what's its purpose? Well, uh, great, great question. Um, Shane, um, you know, the field of silicon photonics is the optical analogy of microelectronics. So instead of processing and sensing information with electrical signals, we're sensing processing information with optical signals. And it was the, it was the invention of uh, you know the process technology that will allow you to build optical circuits on a silicon chip, which really started the field of silicon photonics. And um, I was very very lucky that I got involved in the technology with uh, with with the guys who came up with the kind of original idea, yeah. and actually was the uh, formed the first company to commercialize silicon photonics, um, and that was backed by Intel and uh, and Cisco, and we took it public on the Nasdaq. That was quite some time ago. And because because we started so far back in this technology, 
we really started to explore, you know, all the different things that you could do with silicon photonics and, um, you know, in communications, advanced uh, optical computing. Um, but today, what, what turns out is that the, this, this concept of using the technology to make a very, very powerful optical instrument on your wrist and, and create this insight into your health in a way that just didn't exist before, that to us is by far the biggest opportunity. And, and of course, in, in Rockley, which is our third silicon photonics company, we, we started in 2013, um, you know, this we, to develop a third generation silicon photonics platform. This has turned out to be the, the single largest opportunity for us. Wow. And that's so I want to dive, dive a little bit deeper into that concept of silicon photonics because I understand the LED light. So I've got a, like an Apple Watch. It's just I happen to use that because that's my favorite brand. I'm a bit of a fanboy. But um, it, that's LED. That's um, uh, like LED. Is that correct? And th that's quite different to the, to the uh, silicon photonic stuff. With yeah, that. LED is, is a source of light. There is no optical circuit. And um, in, in um, uh, you know, the LED technology that you see in um, wearables today, you're absolutely right. It's PPG technology. You're using a green LED yeah. to basically measure the expansion and contraction of your blood vessels through the a change in absorption of the green light with, um, with hemoglobin in your blood. And so it just turns out that's a, that's a great one to measure your pulse. And then uh, you mentioned... Um, uh, well, the other areas of PPG are, are include um, pulse oximetry, um, where you're using a red LED and a, an infrared LED. And uh, there you're seeing the, the, the differential absorption between um, uh, uh, oxidated hemoglobin and unoxidated hemoglobin. So, you know, the, the, the pulse oximeter was invented in, I think it was about 1971, and, and it revolutionized uh, uh, the work of anesthetists in terms of uh, monitoring their patients, et cetera. And, um, you know, it's, it's a mainstay a medical device today. And, of course, it's made it into, into wearable devices. But the, the fundamental tech behind it is, you know, very straightforward. It's, it's light-emitting diodes and um, silicon detectors that detect the light coming back. So it, from that point of view, from a hardware point of view, it's not very sophisticated. Um, but that, and, you know, it, that, that allows it to go into wearable devices. What's going on in silicon photonics is we can build a much, much more powerful instrument. And uh, particularly we're operating, we're pushing the wavelength range from the visible, which you see on your wearable today, way into the infrared range. And if you look over a very broad optical spectrum, then there's a lot of information about what's going on in your body, about your physical and your, your chemical biomarkers, which are just not accessible to LEDs. Yeah. And the other thing is signals are small. You know, with the LED technology, it has a limit to what it can it physically sense because it's, in a sense, looking in a limited part of the optical spectrum. And it's what we call its signal-to-noise ratio yes. is pretty poor. But if, yep. you, you, if you go into the longer wavelengths, you get much more information, but you need a much, much more powerful device with much better signal-to-noise ratio to detect these things. And that's what... Our technology, our particular form of silicon photonics, enables, and it enables us to to take um, you know, proven measurement technologies in infrared uh, spectroscopy from benchtop instruments, and to to shrink them 
onto a chip in a highly manufacturable way. So we can make these in high volume manufacture in a, in a you know, cost effective way that can go into consumables. That's, that's the breakthrough. And the interesting thing about the, the, um, about the measurement science is that it, um, the spectroscopy, the idea of you know, understanding what the spectral content yeah. of light gone into your skin and scattered around and comes back out again, Understanding that spectral content, when you take a, a benchtop instrument and you shrink it, you actually make the device worse. It's fundamentally make it worse. Okay. It's performance worse because you need a lamp that generates the light that shines the light into your skin. And you need what we call an aperture that collects the light and goes into the device, the spectrometer that analyzes the light. But when you make things smaller, that lamp gets smaller and less powerful. And that aperture gets smaller, so you collect less light. So the performance of the device goes down. Mm. So though we've got these techniques on benchtop instruments and we commercialized them yeah. um, on benchtop instruments previously, when you shrink that, that, that technology onto your wrist, it doesn't work anymore. Its performance mm. is degraded. So that's the other part of the breakthrough. It's not just the, the manufacturability, making a tiny chip, incredible, you know, um, full of laser technology. It's the fact that we can actually improve the performance through the architecture design of our devices. We can improve the performance. We can improve that signal-to-noise ratio over the benchtop instrument, which is a massive breakthrough as well. Well, that's your first introduction to meeting and listening to Dr. Andrew Rickman, the CEO, founder, and chairman of Rockley Photonics. So here's a couple of key points as I wrap up this episode number one And I'll tell you about what's coming in episode number two and episode number three of this mini-series. Dr. Rickman has a vision to change the world. If you're in the field of wearable technology or you use a wearable technology to track health or physical activity or you're thinking about using one, they are about to change the world and leap into the future like you never imagined or knew was possible. So in the next episode... What will silicon photonics be able to do for your physical health status? How can Dr. Rickman's technology at Rockley give us a leg up and get us out of the mess on a global basis that is our physical health that we talked about at the start of this episode? So tune into episode number two of the miniseries where Dr. Rickman will tell you in his own words what we're going to be able to do as we leap into the future. The next episode is called How Life Inside Your Body Will Never Be the Same. Inside the next episode, this is what I'm going to go through. Tracking the so-called holy grail of health biometrics. It will become available to all of us on a daily basis. And Dr. Rickman will share what that is. The number one health biometric treating cardiologists, practicing cardiologists, are concerned about will become available on your wrist. And we'll talk about that. What other cool health biometrics will Dr. Rickman's technology track? And what is currently in a smartwatch that, has, that is nothing compared to what is about to come? And then, who is the tier one customer of Rockley Photonics that will help to deliver and to disseminate or distribute all of these biometrics to new devices? And if they are willing to spend their money on it, this tier one customer, you know it must be real. All right, I want to wrap up this episode now and I want to explore a little concept with you. 
I think people's physical health status is very similar to this. Imagine a road, you're driving up somewhere, maybe in a countryside, and you drive around a bend, and that road is on a cliff. There's no fence where the, the, um, the cliff is, and there's no sign to say, slow down, you're about to go around a sharp bend. And what happens is, many of these cars, as they drive, many of them, probably the bulk of them, as they drive around this bend in the countryside, where there's no sign to say, sharp bend ahead, they go at a speed which is too fast, and they fall over the cliff. But waiting at the bottom of the cliff is an ambulance with paramedics. And what happens is, those, those paramedics and ambulances, they are there, stationed there, on purpose, to try and get you out of the wreck where you've fallen over the cliff, take you out, put you, patch you up, put you in the ambulance, and take you off to hospital, and hopefully the doctors can fix you up. So you understand the concept I'm talking about? Right now, the way in which we live is, in my opinion, where exactly like the scene I described to you. Why are we putting our resources at the bottom of a cliff? Why aren't we building a fence at the top of a cliff to stop people from driving their personal physical health status over the cliff and crashing at the bottom with the hope that the ambulance drive, the paramedics, and then the doctors when they get to the hospital can fix you up? Because that's how most of the world lives. Most of the world doesn't have deep engagement in their own personal physical health status. And even when these biometrics that we're going to talk about in the next episode come to be on our wrist, many of us won't understand them and won't use them. So reporting new and critical health biometrics will be the first step in the right direction of helping human beings to get a lifestyle out of their their lifestyle out of the disease funnel. So perhaps the biometrics, the technology that we've just heard about from Dr. Rickman, hopefully that's going to be a barrier at the cliff. But in episode three, I'm going to help you park the ambulance and build a rail, not just at the top of the cliff where the cars are falling off and crashing at the bottom, but way before you get near the cliff. I'll show you in episode number three of this mini-series that you can start where you start the life of inside your body. So episode three is called, and this is a strange title, but I'll explain it. How Star Wars and the Marvel Universe teach us to fall in love with our physical health. That's going to be episode three. But episode number two that's coming up, Remember, that's the one you can go to next. It's called How Life Inside Your Body Will Never Be the Same. I can't wait to share with you other parts of the the private conversation I have with Dr. Rickman. You're going to love it. He is, like the, my opinion, like the Thomas Edison of way back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s who changed the world we live in. Thank you for joining me at this learning episode and the first in our three-part mini-series, The Thomas Edison of Health Technology in the 2020s. Bye for now. See you at episode number two.